Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back uh, after lunch. And I'm delighted uh, to welcome Peter, Peter Adler, to the podium. Uh, again, Peter's details, his, his uh, written resume, um, are in the, uh, in the paperwork you have. And, and uh, I'm sure you'll have familiarized yourselves with those. Uh, I um, have listened to Peter uh, talk and teach on a number of occasions. And the last time, we spent an inordinate amount of time listening to jazz. Um, I know what it was about because I was there, but I thought um, others of you might not get that reference. So Peter, can you just give us a little insight about that? Great question. Um, it actually stems from some conversations with a, a friend of mine, Howard Bellman, who's a very distinguished mediator, labor mediator, environmental cases, and he's a jazz fanatic. He's really a fanatical on this stuff. And he and I have struck up lots of conversations. And uh, he wrote a little piece describing mediation as jazz. And he described it in a couple of different ways. He said jazz has beginnings, middles, and ends, as does our work. He said there's a structure to it, but there's a lot of improvisation. There's a sort of a performance quality that it has. Uh, and like uh, all of us, jazz musicians have good days and bad days. Amen to the last point, anyway. Um, you're from, uh, as the um, observant amongst you would have worked out, from the US. This is not meant to be a cheeky question, but what do you think or feel when you look at a room full of Brits? I think maybe we should go back and be your colonies. <laughs> and maybe we're, we're trying to sort our own things out there. And uh, so, uh, no, it's, uh, I actually like a lot of what I see going on here. Um, I think you are on the right. You're asking the same questions that we're asking when the mediators get together in conferences and convocations and talk. It's all about accreditation, certifications, the field, the profession. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's not different in many ways, uh, but it has an English accent. Do, do you um, feel sorry for those of us who don't live in Hawaii? Well, not on a day like this. You have a great web piece of weather here going on, and I know it's rare. Mm -hmm. So, um, <laughs> thank uh, you. I, and I've, I've been in here in the fog, and when it's pretty gloomy okay. and dreary. But uh, yeah. now I know for, for I think nine or ten years you were director of the Keystone Center. I was. Can you say a little bit about that? Yeah, Keystone Center is a very uh, wonderful organization, and I was recruited to the organization first as a vice president, and then had what I sometimes call a battlefield appointment to the position of CEO. And uh, it had several missions, but the big one was to mediate public policy problems, usually energy, environment, public health, governance problems. Um, and uh, we had, there were 60 people working there, uh, really fine people, really dedicated to trying to uh, bring the values and the propositions that we have into very contentious public problems. Um, so it's a, it's a wonderful organization, venerable place, started by a, a, a guy who climbed Mount Everest three times and was the first director of the Aspen Institute. So it was a, you know, I was in a line of really good people. Yeah. And along the same lines, what, what would you say, including from your own experience, are the biggest challenges facing people who are trying to um, promote um, meaningful engagement and dialogue? On, some, on, of those these, kinds of on some of those kind of very public yeah. issues. I mean, I think it's the, it's the same kinds of things we have account, encountered in the world of litigation. I worked for the courts for seven years, and there's lots of skepticism about it. People are in the heat of lots of battles. 
Most of the things that we worked on at Keystone were in the regulatory arena, administrative law. Um, sometimes early on, sometimes later when, you know, there was a real ruckus going on. Uh, and I don't, so in many ways it wasn't different. Mm -hmm. um, but the challenge there was that, you know, you always had to figure out who the stakeholders were, who the rights holders were. Um, and it, it wasn't really like a normal case we would encounter in a commercial matter, mm. where you really have parties and submissions and there's a bit of organization to it. So you have to bring the organization to the project. A little different challenge. Okay. And does that mean in terms of process management then that you you've have had to be more, I'm not sure what the phrase is, more, more hands-on, more, more um, structured, a bit more pushy? Yes, I think that's exactly right. I mean, you had to be pretty assertive in trying to bring a case to or a project to the table yep. and create the table, shape the table uh, with players who at least represented the full bandwidth of voices and viewpoints on a particular issue, whether it was nuclear energy, whether it was uh, you know problems of greening America's yep. supply chains, whatever it was. We had to do a lot of the organization. At picking up, um, I think a theme we touched on briefly, uh, I think John Starrick asked the question and you responded about n titles and names and nomenclature. Uh, have you found that you've had to use different phraseology in order to, as it were, coax people into a process like that? Yeah, one of the things I've gone to great lengths to do is not use the word mediation in mm -hmm. this arena. Mm -hmm. If it's in the courts, if it's uh, with litigators, uh, they know what mediation is. They, in fact, sometimes I worry they know too much and yep. pred predisposed. But in this world, uh, mediation isn't the right word. So we will go to great lengths to find new vocabulary, to so call it a workshop, a round table, uh, you know, a, a committee, I mean, we'll, a study group, a working group. And that is language that people yes. take traction on. Changing tack slightly, if you could um, invite any four people to dinner, historical or alive, who might they be? Well, besides you, right? Well, that goes without saying, necessarily. You've got three left. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, there are some historical figures that uh -huh. I greatly admire. Uh, certainly one of those is Teddy Roosevelt, who was larger than life and actually won, a uh, few people know this, but he actually won, the, I think, one of the first Nobel Prizes as a peacemaker in the Russo-Japanese War okay. at the turn of the century. Uh, so he'd be one of those guys. Uh, I think... Uh, I might invite Hillary Clinton. I kind of like her. I kind of like what she's doing. Uh, I have no idea what her future is, but she's a, she's a, she's an amazing woman yep, who's done yep. some amazing things. Would she get on with Teddy Roosevelt, do you think? Oh, I think famously. Yeah, they have lots to talk about. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and then I think just to spice up the dinner, I might invite some real historical figure like Julius Caesar or Attila the Hun or someone, you know, someone <laughs> interesting just to kind of stir it all up. And yep, then we have yep, you. Yeah, no, listen, I want to be at this event. Anywhere where Attila the Hun gets together with <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt and Hillary Clinton is worth being. Um, perfect holiday. What would you do? Wow. Um, I'm actually uh, trying to d design that. I want to go. I spent two years in India in the Peace Corps, 100 years ago. And, and I actually have a kind of a desire to go back there. I don't know if it'll be perfect. It may be a nostalgia trip. Uh, but I have some ideas about getting back to India and revisiting mm. some of the places I, I lived in and saw for several years and uh, I, some of the projects that I worked on. And so I think right now the perfect holiday looks like India at the moment. Sounds good to me. The, you've probably been asked this question, I would think, lots of times. But if you had to give advice to a budding wannabe mediator, what would you say? Um, 
I think the route to some sort of enjoyment and success lies in finding those niches. I have the sense that the days of the generalist are somewhat over. Uh, there are some, and there are a few people who will continue to do a broad, broad range of things. But I think that what I've seen is people inventing their own work in a particular area. So uh, I think I would say find that area that you love to work in, you feel some competency in that area, and, and join it with the, the mediation work you do. Thank you. Professionally, what, uh, what frustrates or angers you the most? Well, I don't know, not that much to tell you the truth. Um, I, I, I think I've grown a little weary of some of the debates, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, which are very fresh. I was listening very carefully to the issues around accreditation, certification, and so on. And uh, it sounded better with an English accent, to tell you the truth. <laughs> we, we, in America, we think anybody who has an English accent is smart. Okay. So we just assume that. So, so uh, we have all those same debates running, and uh, I'll speak about those, some of those in a, yeah. in a few yeah. minutes. Yeah. But um, I, I, I've grown weary of some of those, and mm. I was frankly much more interested in Reverend Tutu and her touching the heart and bringing us back to some mm. basics. Mm. So. Is, actually, that leads me on to a question I hadn't planned to ask, but we were chatting just before this, uh, uh, so you know my view on it, but uh, do you feel there's enough discussion amongst mediators about those sorts of aspects of it, of mediation, or of the values side, one might say, of the process? Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, okay. I don't know. I think maybe we could use some more. I mean, what I was struck with this morning was listening to how powerful it is when we can get the humanity of one side connected to the humanity of another side, and they see things in a new way. And I know that's hard in a lot of business cases. Mm -hmm. It's hard in, in a lot of highly politicized cases, but maybe that's part of our calling and part yeah. of our work and part of the job yeah. we have to do. So it was a wonderful reminder, mm. wonderful reminder mm. for me. <coughs> and from, I was gonna say the sublime to the ridiculous, that's a bit of a hostage to fortune, but who, who would play you in a movie of your life? Oh. Danny DeVito. <laughs> I have no so I don't need to ask you the next question about modesty then, really. Um, leaders, and I know you've written on this subject, what, what do you think is really required of leaders in the context of a conflict that is perhaps less often demonstrated? Yeah, I, uh, I have written on that and it really intrigues me mm. and uh, leadership is one of those things that it's like jazz and like mediation, you know, everybody's got a view on what's good leadership, good jazz, good mediation. And um, I do think that's the crucible, that's the acid test. Uh, somebody, there was some saying, I, which I think was actually an English saying that says anybody can be a, a captain when the ship is in port, mm -hmm. it's pretty easy. And it's when you're out at sea and there's some real storms and gales and crews on the edge of mutiny. That's when things are tough. And uh, I've watched our president, President Obama, struggling to try to bring consensus. He was trained in mediation at Harvard Law School. He's got some background in that. He's, he's pretty smart about it. And I think he's learned and developed a pretty tough hide now. Um, <clears throat> but I, I think that bringing those skills in to the leadership job, along with all the other things, the inspiration, the vision, the managing of the politics, mm -hmm. uh, this is one more piece of that. And uh, that's why I call that book, Eye of the Storm, Leadership. I mean, I think it's, it's about what happens in the crucible of conflict. Yeah, and if you didn't get that, well worth a read, I should say. And he didn't pay me to say that. Um, one final question that we need to wrap up. If you hadn't done 
what you now do, where else might you have gone in life? Well, that, I, I, I actually started out, I thought I was going to be a biologist. I, I really started out in the sciences and have somehow sort of returned in some odd way because a lot of the disputes and conflicts I work on are science intensive problems. And I have a particular fondness for an application of mediation called joint fact finding, where we're trying not to tie everything up in a bow, uh, but really to try to reduce the factual disagreements and then see where that leads. And uh, so oddly, I've kind of returned back to looking at a lot of the things that uh, I started out with. And uh, I might have been an aquatic biologist or someone poking around in streams and looking at uh, mushrooms in the forest and that kind of thing. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to hear more from Peter in a moment because he's going to give a, a, a keynote speech, which I know you're all, and I'm very much looking forward to as well. But for the moment, thank you on behalf thank of us all. Thank you.